trying to be as gentle as possible with what was already there because it was incredibly beautiful. It was just like a diamond in the rough. There was just a lot of, you know, polishing and refining and it really felt like it was taking shape, kind of like a a sculpture uh, when you're chipping away all these different pieces and you begin to actually see the, the figure in the form of what you're creating. Hello and happy spring. If you find yourself looking for a slower way of life, of travels, of connecting to the people and the places around you, you're in good company. Join me, Molly Reese, as we celebrate the change in seasons with season two of our series, where we welcome in brighter days with budding conversations from families who entertain and educate guests like you and me from all around the world. This is Stay in Good Company. Today, we're in great company with Isaac French, founder of Live Oak Lake, where guests can find restoration and relaxation at modern lakeside cabins nestled in nature, yet down the road from downtown Waco, Texas. Isaac, welcome to the show. Happy to have you in our company. Thank you very much, Molly. It's a pleasure to be with you. Of course. Now, before we get to know your seven stunning cabins nestled in the heart of Texas, we want to get to know you. So can you tell us a bit about yourself, your upbringing right down the road, and your previous career prior to starting Live Oak Lake? Yeah, I was born um, a couple minutes from actually where I'm sitting now and about six minutes from Live Oak Lake. I have nine siblings, seven brothers, two sisters, and my grandparents on both sides lived within five minutes of us, just had an incredible childhood, grew up in a intentional Christian community, very uh, agricultural, craft-based So it worked with my hands from a very young age. My father was in construction. My grandfather was in construction. He built a lot of uh, higher-end custom homes here in Texas. And so from my earliest memories, I was going to job sites with him, you know, on the weekends or after school, sort of shadowing somebody who was truly great at what they did. And that was very impressionable on me. My parents gave me a lot of latitude to try out a lot of different hobbies and crafts when I was younger. So I'm an artist on some level. I enjoy painting and drawing. I've always loved design. But at the same time, I've kind of been both right and left brained. I'm also kind of a numbers person. So I actually started pursuing accounting when I was in high school, started working for our family construction business when I was a, a teenager, started both doing actually the construction and the bookkeeping side, then started pursuing some tax knowledge. I, I wanted to learn how to do taxes so I could do my own and my friends. And I figured it would be a great foundation for launching future businesses. But uh, I've been very entrepreneurial from my earliest uh, ages. I had countless businesses, lemonade stands. And um, my craziest business I think I ever had, just like weird idea, was uh, buying typewriters from on eBay antique typewriters and restoring them and reselling them. So came up with a lot of different things to, to keep me busy when I was younger. And then when I was in my early 20s, I was working full-time in the construction business, became project manager, sort of worked my way up from the ground through all the different trades and stages of construction. So understood, got a great understanding of how construction works. And um, my family actually moved to Idaho when, when I was 12. And so I spent 10 years there in, in Idaho. And that was also very impactful on me just getting exposed to, even though it's still the United States, a little bit of a different subculture and um, even like architectural styles and everything are a lot different up there. So then when I was 23, I moved back to Texas where I am now and met and married my wife, Helen. So we got married during 2020, right in the middle of COVID. Then just the next, a couple months after we got married. So I I had an accounting business on the side. I, I still did a lot of freelancing work. I've done a bunch of things. I didn't necessarily have a career at that point. I had stopped construction, but I was doing a bunch of other things on the side. And then I started looking for property for this idea, which became Live Oak Lake. And I'd really had the idea brewing for several years leading up to it. Really being in the Pacific Northwest was a big influence and seeing some of that Scandinavian modern architecture. And I just fell in love with that. And there was nothing really like that here in Texas. So we can talk about Live Oak Lake, but basically everything 
there took off. Yeah. After we got married a couple months, we found the property and went from there on a personal note too. My wife and I just welcomed our first child, a little baby boy named Lucas 14 weeks ago. So being a dad has been, has blown away all of my expectations. It's been, it's turned my life upside down. It's absolutely wonderful. And what a beautiful setting too, to, to raise a son in and to show him the ropes, just as you learned from your father. And I, I definitely want to get into all of that, but I am curious with so many siblings, have any of them pursued entrepreneurial passions such as yours? I myself am the oldest of four, but we're all completely different in that regard. So is that something that was unique to you or, or something that you all share together? Actually, almost every one of them is an entrepreneur. I love that. And I'm not the greatest by far. So in Idaho still, which is where most of my siblings still live with my parents, and we visit back and forth quite a bit. They come here, we go there. My wife's parents live here in Texas. So we got family in both places, but they're, they have everything from an incredible award-winning bakery and restaurant. They took this little town called Deary and totally revitalized it. It's like a little sleepy logging town in the middle of Idaho. And they just bought like a bunch of the old buildings in town and totally redid everything. And it's become like this hub now where people go there and uh, they have a bunch of unique Airbnbs of their own actually. So they have a bunch of cool Airbnbs. They've got this bakery. They've got a creamery where they make cheeses. They have a nursery where they grow trees, seedlings. They, my mom has an incredible like quilt and embroidery shop. I mean, just beautiful, beautiful stuff. And uh, another construction business up there as well. And an, another farm they're just, they just bought and they're going to turn into like a U-Pick orchard. So there's a ton of things going on. That's great that you can all kind of riff off of ideas together and I'm sure offer a helping hand throughout your different projects as everyone kind of ebbs and flows, but that's, that's so neat. And so I would guess that if your wife was willing to marry you and go off on this adventure with you quickly after getting married, is she too very entrepreneurial? How did you both meet and where in your love story did you decide to go on this adventure? Actually, we've known each other all of our lives. So she grew up on the same same area as I did, same church, same community. And our families were somewhat close. Our parents were very close. Uh, my dad actually first employed her dad when, when her dad and her mom got married. So they've been close for a long time. She's actually very opposite in terms of like, she's not an entrepreneur. She's not business minded at all, which is really great because I can be really intense uh, in one direction. So having her to balance me out is really, really fun. She's incredibly talented in a lot of ways. She's a singer and a songwriter and a musician and an incredible mom now. So we have a wonderful life here. And one of the reasons we got into hospitality, though I didn't necessarily grow up with, our family didn't have, well, Airbnb wasn't a thing, right? I mean, that just came onto the scene not that long ago, but we were always hosting people in our house and friends would come and visit and family would come from out of town. So we've always been very hospitality oriented. It's been great actually getting to know some of the folks that come and stay at Live Oak Lake. I mean, I've developed friendships with some of them and that's one of the reasons we got into it is because I'm, we're both people, people <laughs> and uh, we can show them, you know, since we live six minutes, seven minutes down the road, we can show them our life and show them around and meet them. And our farm where we live is actually a pretty big attraction in and of itself. We get about 400,000 people a year that come through just to, to see what we have. So it's, like I said, there's a whole craft village where there's a blacksmith shop, a potter's shop, a fiber arts, another farm to table restaurant. We grow our own food. We have cows, we milk cows. We have every animal you could imagine. Matter of fact, I just planted a 200 fruit tree orchard last fall. So that's kind of my latest adventure here on our farm, which is a pretty big deal because it's, there's a big learning curve. What kind of fruit? We have everything you can imagine. We have everything you can really grow in Texas. Apples, pears, plums, peaches, pomegranates, plum cots, grapes, quince, figs, everything you can grow here. Well, I'm trying my best to grow citrus trees in my backyard so we can share the, the wealth when we have it. But <laughs> We're just a tiny bit too cold for citrus. So yeah, we can do some bartering. That's what I would have figured. That's so beautiful that you've been such a part of this community for so long and that you and your wife have really built these relationships and all of these other businesses, but passions and just local things for guests to come and experience and to learn about. And so I'm wondering for people such as myself and my fiance who 
want to full-heartedly jump into a passion project such as yours, what advice do you have in really pursuing this? Um, well, I'll actually give you a bit of general advice, which I think is really key to everything that I've done up until this point. And I've done a lot of different things. I still have a lot to do, but my motto is just like always be learning. But something that I've learned is no matter what it is, like from the taxes to developing a short-term rental village like Live Oak Lake or getting into construction or any anything else that isn't necessarily an, a, an end in and of itself. Well, let me make a side note on that. Live Oak Lake is pretty close to an end in and of itself as far as like a career. Like it's It combines so many aspects from the designing and the building and the hosting and the marketing that I absolutely love. But that was only possible because I had done all these other things that really prepared me to do that because it's very multidisciplinary. Uh, but that advice I will give is it's so easy to just think that you can hire someone to do everything and very simplistically just assume that you just need to either specialize in one thing or you know have a bunch of money to start something. What I have learned and practiced and grown up uh, in a family that has, I think, demonstrated this well is you've got to dive in headfirst to whatever you're doing and make as many mistakes as you can. And early on, find a mentor, find a consultant, you know, depending on what this is, this is broad advice, but let's just take, you know, Live Oak Lake, for, for instance, I hired multiple different consultants to help me in different aspects of that from like the design and the planning phase all the way through operating it, automating it, marketing it. And um, so I, I hired somebody who truly is a specialist and an expert at what they do pay them a lot of money because they're worth that and then actually go and do that myself till I fully understand it. So it's like a three-step process. Step one, hire somebody who really knows what they're doing on a consulting basis. Step two, do it yourself until you are thoroughly familiar with it. And then step three, delegate that and systematize it to others that are going to be much cheaper and more scalable. And that has allowed me to just compound my personal growth too as far as like what I learned, what I know. Like For instance, I mean, coming through this whole journey of building and doing everything of Live Oak Lake, really myself, obviously it was a team effort, but like actually spearheading each effort of that has equipped me with obviously, you know, indispensable knowledge that I could then go and use to build the next thing. But there would have been a lot of ways to sub out different aspects of that or, you know, hire out different things that would have robbed me of the learning experience. So that the big takeaway is make mistakes, get your hands dirty and do whatever you're doing just long enough, even in terms of like the granular details of what you're doing. I mean, I didn't know anything about marketing when we started and we've grown to 120,000 followers in a year on social media. And I didn't know anything about a lot of things when we started. And I still don't know anything about a lot of things, but having that learning hungry mentality that you're actually going to go out and just attack something and do it doesn't mean you're always going to do everything, but you're going to have that experience. It's very probably obvious advice, but that has served me very well. No, that's so beautifully said. And to your point, constantly learning, constantly asking questions and being okay with making mistakes and rolling up your sleeves and getting your hands dirty. And so I, I do wonder, you know, you had just opened a year ago. Can you share more about how you found the the property, the building process, some of those pain points, but also triumphs along the way? Yeah. So like I said, I was looking for property for a few months and it really just needed to feel right. Like this is the right place that actually feels right. I figured there was a lot of options, obviously, in terms of properties around here, some with trees, some without, some with water, some without, some with topography, some without, but it just needed to feel right. Like the, the idea was gestating in my mind, but I needed to actually experience like that moment where it was like, okay, I could see this coming alive on this property. So when I actually found this place, it was just one morning scrolling through Zillow, nothing special about the way I found it, but it had just been listed a few hours earlier. And it was actually just right off of like the beaten path that I had driven by hundreds of times, probably. I mean, I had literally driven right next to this property and I never paid any attention because there was a bunch of trees and just briars and I couldn't tell what was even there. But I saw these pictures and I was like, Hey, this looks promising. Cause there was like this little tiny pond in the middle. So I drove over and met the realtor and it was like, I mean, my heart just like left within me when I actually walked onto the property and like felt it and saw it. And it was like, this is it. I tried to like keep myself somewhat contained. So he didn't like get to think that, you know, I was going to like start a bidding war or something. So I was like, yeah, I think I'm interested. <laughs> you have to play it cool. 
<laughs> exactly. And we were accepted that day. And it was just such an instantaneous thing for me. Like I had looked at a bunch of other property. I had considered a bunch of other things. And this was like just that, that moment where everything kind of clicked. And it was like, I, I walked onto the property and though it was totally grown over, there were a couple of those massive live oak trees, hence the name. And then this little pond. And it was just, I guess to describe it, it was like, I could picture what these little cabins were going to look like, what it turned out looking like. And so having that ability to actually envision is, uh, and imagine what's not there is, is a really great skill. And I don't think, I, I think some people have that, but I also think it's something that everyone can cultivate to some degree. As an artist, I certainly have been cultivating that for a long time. So bought the property 30 days later, we closed on it. And in that interim, I was just like up night and day drawing plans, spending time over there, actually like walking it, just trying to feel through every angle, how we could lay it out, what would be there, coming up with a plan for you know exactly what we were going to do, putting it on paper. I knew I was going to need to raise some money to do this. Uh, so I needed to actually sell my plan to other people. That's such a great way to start. And you can see the passion and just that serendipitous moment of, aha, this is it. And I'm glad to hear that I'm not the only one who spends my free time just stalking Zillow as if it was social media. That's how we love to, to travel is just on Zillow, looking at different cities and towns and countryside, seeing what might spark our, our interest and places where you don't even know exist. But that's, that's so great to hear that you immediately felt at home and you envisioned this place that you would then build. And so what feelings did you want to evoke out of those guests? What did you really want them to take away from that property that you saw, but then wanted to build upon? When I spent time in the Pacific Northwest, it just cultivated a deep love for forests and water, as well as the architecture style that is you is actually more ubiquitous now, except in places like Texas, for whatever reason. So I was like, I want to create that vibe here in central Texas. And Texas is beautiful in its own ways. Like these live oak trees, for instance, are just absolutely gorgeous. But it's not, you know, it's I've been a lot of places and it's nowhere close to the top as far as beautiful places. So I figured if we could create this transportive experience that really felt like you were going to a different world, you know, it's just going to be a hotspot for people that were within two hours of 17 million people in Texas Triangle, which is, which is really nice too, because Waco's a fairly small town and we're not even in Waco, we're outside of Waco. So we're in, a, we're in the countryside, but we're in proximity to this great target audience. So I wanted to create that same vibe that I had experienced in Oregon and Washington and parts of Idaho. I knew that from the beginning as far as like the, the architecture style was going to be very stunning, striking, simple, minimalist, uh, lots of glass to bring the outdoors inside these units, no TVs in the units, very much geared towards engaging people intentionally in, in the outdoors around them and reconnecting them to nature, to themselves, to each other. So started, you know, obviously just scouring Pinterest, um, finding ideas of other architecture styles and, and houses that had been built that were similar and that were in similar types of locations with the water aspect. And one of the first things we did on the property was actually dig out the pond. So it was just a little mud puddle, really. And we, we cleared a ton of trees that we didn't want that were junk. We, you know, and while still maintaining a, a bunch of really, really great trees, brought an arborist in, trimmed those ones up, dug out the pond, hired a consultant to, you know, help advise me on the best way to, to manage the water, put uh, aerators in it to oxygenate it so we wouldn't have algae problems, stocked it with fish. We just got this great ecosystem going with the pond itself and then started to actually kind of build out from there, trying to be as gentle as possible with what was already there because it was incredibly beautiful. It was just like a diamond in the rough. There was just a lot of you know polishing and refining and removing of, of stuff we didn't want, a lot of just briars and, and brush. And so we did a lot of clearing and burning and it really felt like it was taking shape, kind of like a, a sculpture uh, when you're chipping away all these different pieces and you begin to actually see the, the figure in the form of what you're creating. That's what it felt like. But even the design process was very spontaneous. Like I didn't hire an architect. I was actually drawing all of these, these different things up. I did 
find a company called Den Outdoors, which I really recommend. They've got great designs. I ended up buying like three of their designs and then combining different elements from all of them, as well as adding some other things that I personally liked. So everything was very spontaneous. And then like I did get a, a basic set of plans drawn that we were able to like, you know, get bids from the different contractors for, but they were very general with the intent of still being able to design a lot of things as we went. It was very much like feel your way through it. Like, you know, standing in this one spot and thinking, well, we should put a window right here because this view is just incredible. And we should put our, our, our little pathway coming through these two trees right here. It was just like very tailor made to the property, which was really, really fun. Very intense year though. We, so we bought the property and the, from the day we closed to the day we opened our doors was just under 10 months. Um, and you know, that was taking it from the state I've just described to adding utilities and getting permitting and, you know, adding roads and the, all the building, all the landscaping, all the furnishing, buying, you know, all the furnishings in advance. There was also so many lead time issues of, with the schedule, things to coordinate. So it was a very, very intense year. And at the same time, actually, I was building a $750,000 spec house just down the road um, in four months that overlapped this project too. So I had both of these projects going on, plus, you know, my tax and accounting stuff. It was a, it was a lot, but at the end of the day, it was just, it was such an exhilarating experience to, like I said, to actually be living in the process and, and be experiencing it as hands-on as possible. And um, like I also said, learning as I went, you know, incredible lessons gained. So, you know, there were, there were definitely mistakes I made and little details in construction and not thinking everything through, you know, building on the fly has its uh, perils as well. And we had to navigate some of those, but we have to come back and fix something. And every time that happens, obviously you learn a lesson about what not to do. There are also, of course, those moments of intense reward and satisfaction when we would, you know, each stage of the construction process and even really like the site process of clearing the property, like I was describing of seeing something new come about and these different dimensions of the property come alive. Those were all very rewarding. The most exponentially so was when we were actually finished, obviously, you know, our hundreds and hundreds of punch list items were complete because there's just so much that goes into a property like this, you know, so many thousands of little details that, could be so easily skimped on, cut corners with, but I was like, I'm a perfectionist and like actually bringing all of those together cohesively is just an incredible experience. And it really has been a dream come true. I mean, we have so many guests that come and I can't even interact with 10% of the people that come through. I mean, we're completely booked all the time and I obviously have a lot of other things going on too, but every time I can, I go over and interact with guests and it's great. I love like connecting and everyone said, I mean, the common refrain is this, this is like nothing we've ever been to. Like, it's literally like going into a different world. And obviously that's, that's incredibly fulfilling after putting that much work into it. And I think a lot of guests, though, not everyone can do that. Uh, I'm certainly not anything special, but I very motivated and plenty of people can do that, but not everyone is going to be able to pull off a project like that. But everyone can appreciate all of those details coming together. They may not even be able to articulate or quantify what it is, but they can feel the vibe, the feeling, the experience. And so that's been really, really fulfilling. Well, and that's why I love having these conversations because you drive up and you see these cabins perfectly nestled on the lakeside. And it looks as if it was meant to be there, that it had always been there, that it was so intentional but then you don't get to necessarily always hear the backstory and all of the work that went into it, but also how you really stewarded the land and was very intentional where you placed things and how you thought of the decorations and all of that. And so that's where hearing these stories and having these conversations is just adds so much to the appreciation for what is in front of you. Yeah, beautifully said. Agreed. Hello, worldly travelers and loyal listeners. Do you know of places and people we can stay in good company with? Are you yourself a host looking to share your story and welcome in good company? We're always looking for new places to travel, new people to meet. Share who you know and where they are by sending us a note at stayinggoodcompany.com or by mentioning us on our social media channels at Stay in Good Company. We'll be sure to give you a shout out when we're there.
And so it's time for us all to take a trip to Live Oak Lake as it stands today. And as you can hear the beautiful birds in the background, can you paint us a picture of the lake? And as we turn into the drive and see your stunning cabins there, what can guests expect to experience? That's the first thing you go through a gate. It's fenced and gated 24-7. So it really kind of maximizes that exclusivity feeling of going into a different world. And you drive in. Man, I'm going to do a terrible job describing it. You have to really experience it or look up a video or pictures. But it's there's birds in the trees. Like you said, there's just incredible like canopies of trees all over the roads. And the cabins are tucked into those trees. So during the day, usually, especially in the summertime, you don't actually see that much of the cabins until you drive around to the commons area where the container pool is. We have a pergola, patio, and a little dock that's really, really fun just to walk out on and it's floating. And so you kind of get to feel the movement of the water. And then all around you, there's just these little beautiful cabins. And at night, well, actually right before darkness, right after sunset and what we call blue hour, it's just stunning because all the lights are on and all the cabins and they're all reflecting in the water and there's paddle boards and kayaks and you can you know kayak out on just very very peaceful little quaint lake so yeah and then you actually get inside one of the cabins and it's all about experiencing what's outside so there's windows everywhere there's roller shades so you have full privacy but there's skylights you you go upstairs and plop down on the bed and you look straight up and there's just these massive oak branches coming over coming through the skylight that you get to see it almost feels like you're up in a tree and these trees are massive uh, the, the live oaks so very nature immersive is how i would describe it i love that it definitely sounds like it you paint a beautiful picture as an artist even with your words <laughs> and so can you share more about the thoughtful design of the cabins you had mentioned nordic and japanese minimalism but what attracted you to the style of architecture and design for the space yeah it was really just that experience growing up in the pacific northwest and seeing um, olson kundig is a really well-known architect based in seattle i had seen a lot of their work and just even a lot of actually Scandinavian work and, you know, in the, the Nordic regions there, um, very European minimalist. It's become incredibly ubiquitous now, but, uh, it still is timeless. My favorite kind of design, just beautiful, very muted colors, very, very simple, not a lot of clutter, beautiful, uh, little details, very minimalist though, like our kitchens, for instance, they're white oak custom cabinets with little eighth inch reveals around each drawer. The appliances are panel ready, so they have the same panels that match everything else. Uh, very just sleek and seamless, gray soapstone quartz countertop, black fixtures. You really have to come and, and experience it once again. It's kind of a lame answer, but uh, I had experienced that in other places in terms of, you know, these different vignettes and pictures of, of, uh, this minimalist design that I really liked. And so I was just bringing all the best of those different details I'd been exposed to in construction. Uh, like I mentioned, that's what I, I did for six years. So I was a, a project superintendent and a project manager and an estimator. So I went to a lot of different projects, both commercial and some residential as well. Um, and then all the way really going back, like I, like I said in the beginning, to my earliest memories when I was three, four, five years old, going to some of these jobs here in Texas with my grandfather, Though it was a different style, there was a similar level of detail and perfection. And um, there was some crossover in the styles as well. There's a minimalist Texas hill country style that really, really looks cool too. So I think it's about being unique. you you got to obviously balance like truly standing out, which we, which we are. These black minimalist structures are very unique here in Texas. But also honoring what's around you. And the way that we're doing that is really by trying to disappear and honoring this landscape through the, the glass, like I keep talking about. And so it's, it's even less about the design and more about how to really thoughtfully and carefully frame that while still maintaining all of these incredible comforts and luxuries that we're used to. And in some cases, you know, they go far beyond what we're used to while still preserving that. So it's like this mixture of glamping with really, really high designed architecture uh, in a really uniquely beautiful setting, which is what Central Texas has to offer. Well, and you can definitely see that how the design is intentional, but it's also not distractive. That's a great way of putting it. 
I had the fortune of living in Scandinavia for some time and traveling all around. And so I've always had an appreciation and passion for that minimalist design and only really needing what you need and being intentional about what you have in front of you. So you're not cluttering your house and cluttering your mind. And so then when I moved to New York City and I didn't have a lot of space, I kept that same practice. And then now having moved out into the the desert of Arizona, I still even try to bring that minimalist design with me because really just having an appreciation for what you have and not having too much allows you to just really appreciate what's there. And, and that's the nature that you have in front of you. That's a beautiful way of putting it. What are some of your favorite features, attributes, some of your amenities found within your cabins that you'd like to discuss? We'll start in the kitchen. The appliances are very, very nice. They're Fisher and Paykel high-end minimalist uh, appliances. And we have a drawer dishwasher, a speed oven, which is like combines a microwave with a conventional oven. So one of our overarching um, theses when we set out to design the actual units was to create something that actually could be lived in longer term and therefore gave us kind of an insurance policy against a short-term like tourism downturn. So these these units are very much designed. They're, they're tiny in the sense that, well, they're technically not a tiny home because they're around 550 square feet. I think a tiny house is officially 400 and smaller. But they are still very, very efficiently designed. Like the footprint is very small. And yet they have all of these uh, appliances. They have closets in the bathroom, closets in the um, bedroom, a laundry closet with a stackable washer and dryer. So they have everything that you would need to live or stay longer or midterm, which is actually a trend that we're seeing even in the short-term rental space. There's more of these midterm stays where people are staying for 30 days or more. And we have seen less of that here because it's just our calendars are so booked up. It's very hard to find 30 days unless you go a year out or so. So we have really nice appliances. Like I said, I mean, there's just unlimited details of white oak flooring, white oak cabinetry. And then there's a luxury hot tub at each unit with a really pretty little privacy enclosure, vines growing around it, and fire pits on at each cabin. There's hammocks in the trees at each cabin, little trails at each cabin. And then everybody has access to the commons area that has the container pool and you know yard games and the pergola and, and uh, grilling area and all of that. So it really is a destination kind of property that you can go. And a lot of families do this and families are our biggest target audience, we have a lot of couples and a lot of families. And they'll just, you know, it's it's very secure, it's gated. So they'll just come multiple families will rent multiple cabins sometimes and they'll just let their kids roam throughout the property and everybody is very safe and it's just a beautiful environment to be in with plenty for everyone to do outside. Amazing. It's definitely a create your own adventure type of space. And so what special tips or tricks do you have for guests who would plan a getaway here at Live Oak Lake? The best time of year to visit is April. March and April are just beautiful months. So, you, but you got to book out in advance. And also October, September, October, November is just absolutely gorgeous. Actually, touching back on where I live, which is called Homestead uh, Heritage, you can look it up. But we have an annual craft fair on Thanksgiving weekend that brings about twenty thousand people a year just over a couple days, and it's incredible. It's got it. That's literally six minutes away from Live Oak Lake, so that's another thing that if you plan ahead, uh, it's a perfect place to stay and go go to that. There's all kinds of hands-on craft activities and sheepdog demonstrations and concerts and all kinds of fun stuff to do there. Waco itself has a lot of stuff. Magnolia, of course, has become a huge touristic hub. So there's uh, a lot to see there and a lot of great restaurants in the area. But like I said, the kitchens are fully equipped so people can cook. A lot of families just bring everything with them and, and, you know, just make all their meals right there from Live Oak Lake. But yeah, just come and expect to unplug. We have very, very fast Wi-Fi, so people can do work or watch a movie or whatever on their, on their device, but there are no screens or anything like in the cabins. So expect to uh, feel transported really and take advantage of that. I think to be able to work when you need to and then put your stuff away and just focus on connecting with nature and with other people is such a healthy thing to do, especially in this day and age and bring other people together. So 
being that we have seven cabins and we have this commons area, we have actually a lot of group buyouts now where a family, a, a family will come in and do a reunion or we've had weddings, we've had corporate offsites. So I think th- that's another trend that we see just in the post COVID world. There's people have been cooped up or were cooped up for a long period of time. And to be able to get together in real life with their coworkers, with their family is uh, a very attractive thing to do. And why not do it in the most beautiful setting like this? And I hope that we see, and there already are other properties that some of which you've seen. um, And this is part of my long-term plan, but I want to see more and more of these micro resorts, landscape hotels, there's different terms pop up everywhere that can accommodate small groups and bring together just very high-end amenities in a beautiful, beautiful landscape setting. Very well put. And to your point, being able to slow down and appreciate that stay, you know, you might have to work a little bit, you might have to record a podcast episode outside, but then you get to put your headphones down and go enjoy the rest of the scenery and the rest of the day. So I love that you're able to balance that and you've found that for yourself, but are also offering that for your guests. And so you mentioned that you are just a short drive into the town of Waco. You mentioned some of the local attractions there. As a you know, a local yourself, do you have any favorite places to eat, sites to see, things that you'd like to do? Um, Cafe Homestead, uh, which is here on the property, is a farm to table. It's like the best restaurant around, I think. Incredible um, place to eat. And Magnolia Table is also wonderful for breakfast. That's right close to downtown. And a lot of people early on were coming here because like they were staying at Live Oak Lake because they were coming to Waco for Magnolia. Now more and more, it's just people coming to stay at Live Oak Lake. And so then they'll go out sometimes and see other things. But so Magnolia is great. It's like a little compound that they've built. Um, Actually, some friends of mine have done a lot of the work for them, but they have restored an old church. It's, It's very like transportive in its own way of Americana. And so they have this old church. They have all these little shops, a little miniature baseball diamond, you know, of course, the Magnolia Home magnolia coffee shop magnolia press there's there's the silos baking company uh, tons to see and do there so between magnolia and homestead which i already described those are the top two things to do in waco and will give anyone and everyone plenty to see and enjoy and do now i'm sure i speak for both myself and our listeners and wanting to know what the future holds for you your little but growing family and your future guests at live oak lake so what is next for live oak lake can you share what future guests can look forward to well i think the property itself is pretty well optimized we added the container pool and the hot tubs last year after we opened but i think we've really done everything we can on that property just to make it the best so that's going to be a very consistent experience from here on out. It's gotten better and better, but I think we've kind of hit our stride of the best we can be. As far as me, I have been approached <laughs> with countless and countless opportunities to this idea seems to resonate with scores and scores of people. So I have been fielding hundreds of emails and phone calls over the past year. And so far I have said no to all of that because I've really just been laser focused on Live Oak Lake and um like I said, optimizing it, creating the best experience possible, being hands-on involved with that. I do long-term want to be able to take that same concept, like I was describing of the landscape hotel, and replicate that with different twists, different flavors, different designs, but the same concept, same standard of experience, uh, same approach to directly marketing it to our guests, and uh, and do that all over the world in different different places. And I'm actually looking at places that are kind of underserved in terms of vacation areas. Like I don't, I'm not looking to go to Joshua tree or to go to the Smokies though. Those are awesome places. There's just already plenty of people doing stuff there and more power to them. I want to find places that are like this, that are kind of hidden gems that are within a couple hours driving distance from a hungry pent up population like we have here in Texas to go somewhere beautiful, but that would normally have to go six, seven, eight hours to get somewhere truly beautiful and create these kind of properties. Um, It's a great business model and it resonates with people. It's serving a, a really pressing need that people have as the world gets crazier and faster and busier and more 
you know, artificial, <laughs> we're living in the AI revolution. Um, why not create incredibly beautiful, immersive, natural, slow experiences like this? So that is my long-term vision. I just don't yet know all the steps, but doing this project has certainly not hurt me in any ways in terms of finding others that want to partner and join the, the journey because it's, it's resonating with a lot of people. Absolutely. Well, it's certainly resonating with me and my listeners. And I think a lot of times we don't appreciate what we have in our backyards. I'm guilty of that here in the Southwest and being able to just drive a few hours and explore what is so close to you is something that we don't oftentimes think about taking the time to appreciate. And so I love that you are looking at these different properties and these different places with that lens and just, again, showcasing and stewarding what's already there, but inviting people to come and enjoy it in a comfortable and, and beautiful way. One more note as far as my future, what I'm actually currently doing, and I just announced this, is I'm putting together a comprehensive masterclass on, I'm calling it the Experiential Hospitality Masterclass. So I'm going to use Live Oak Lake as the case study and just walk the way through the entire process, but also bring in other experts in different areas that can speak even more broadly on how to apply all the lessons I've learned and all of those ingredients for the success to other people's project. Because I can't personally handhold with everyone, though I've done a lot of consulting, a lot of phone calls, and just shared as much of my knowledge for free as possible over the past year. Um, I'm actually creating this this masterclass. We're going to film the whole thing on site. It's just going to be really, really well produced as well. And obviously, it's shot in a beautiful setting. So I'm really excited. That's been a ton of work, though. I mean, I've been just striving for feels like 24-7 for the past couple of months on actually coming up with all the talking points and the structure for what I want to say. I want to make, obviously, as high a value of uh, experience as possible. I'm even like describing it as an immersive educational experience. It's not just going to be a class or a course that you take. So if anyone is interested in actually executing on this idea, um, not just staying in a beautiful place like that, then they can check that out. And I'll have more info on that at my website, which is isaacjfrench.com. And I love how you are putting so much into it, just like you did with Live Oak Lake. A lot of times you don't stop to think how much goes into building a course like that. And all of a sudden it's available to download and to take at your own leisure. But the amount of work and thought and care that goes into that is really worthwhile. And so that's where, again, just being able to share that and advocate on your own behalf on all of all that you have learned and that you're willing to share with others is, is really special. Yeah, I appreciate that you can appreciate the amount of work that it is. <laughs> <laughs> with the amount of editing podcasts, I have an appreciation for the behind the scenes. But I do also want to touch on, of course, in honor of Father's Day coming up and now not only having so many different businesses, but then being a dedicated husband and a loving father to your young son, Lucas. What do you hope for and dream for him in watching you grow your own businesses and building Live Oak Lake? What do you hope that that teaches him? You know, I think I'm one of the luckiest people in the world to have grown up in the environment that I did and in the family that I did with the dad and mom that I did. So I feel like I've been given like the most valuable gift ever in my childhood and growing up experience. I was homeschooled. I mean, everything about my childhood was as ideal and perfect in my eyes as it could be. And so I, um, I want to, I feel a, a great sense of responsibility to impart that to Lucas. And we've seen a lot of, you know, success even financially with Live Oak Lake and a lot of recognition and, and all of that. And that's, that's kind of mesmerizing in the moment, but it's very, very good to be grounded in a place like this. I want him to grow up and have really as similar a childhood and experience as I had. And so I'm planning to homeschool him as well. And in, in this context of, you know, taking care of animals and learning responsibility and having chores and, um, and also giving him the freedom, like my parents gave me to explore his creative ideas and really fostering a sense of curiosity that, um, unfortunately is lacking a lot of times in, in a lot of my generation, it seems like that people unfortunately just get stuck, especially those 
so this is not categorical that like grew up in more of an urban environment and they just you know are glued to their phones glued to technology and i think they're missing out on so so much of life and so i want to give that to lucas and um try to impart the gift that i feel like has been given to me which is a an awesome responsibility it's amazing being a dad like i said it's turned my life upside down but it also is a responsibility i definitely feel the weight of that so very very grateful for him and very very grateful for what my parents did for me and excited to pass on to the next generation wow how inspiring i have chills and i don't have children yet but that is definitely just such a lifestyle and based on values that are are so important and i can see that really shine through in what you say but i'm sure how you're going to live your life and to grow alongside lucas hello worldly travelers and loyal listeners Are you too planning your upcoming travels and in search of independently owned and operated stays and experiences to visit along the way? Head on over to stayinggoodcompany.com or our social media channels at stayinggoodcompany and drop us a note with where you're going and when, and we'll be sure to set you up in good company for your trip. Just don't be surprised if we hide away in your suitcase and join you in your journeys. So now that we know what it's like to stay in good company at Live Oak Lake, we've learned and grown in good company with you, Isaac, and thus I have a few final questions, what I'm calling a toast to table topics. Who would be a dream guest, someone dead or alive, that you'd like to sit around a bonfire with? Oh boy, that's a great question. <laughs> um, I'd love to host Elon Musk sometime. I'm not uh, like a a fanboy, like I don't worship Elon Musk, but I think he's a very interesting person and is obviously in a position to bring about a lot of different change. And I think it would be a different experience, just experiencing both the community life and then also Live Oak Lake than what he's used to. And he's actually here in Texas, so maybe he'll he'll come by sometime. Perfect. Now, do you have a horror guest or a favorite guest story to share? No need to name names. <laughs> We've been very fortunate not to have many horror stories, but I think it's inevitable that things go wrong in just the sheer volume that we have. Um, Very early on, we had a very problematic situation where we were still like pricing really, really low in order to like get traction and get bookings, get reviews. But I quickly learned that we needed to raise that to really attract who we were going after, which was these families in these, uh, you know, Dallas, Fort Worth, Austin. But really early on, we got a guest that came and these cabins have, you know, full glass windows and it was after dark and they had like disco lights inside and they had hired some entertainers to come over. And I mean, literally had the most loud and bright blaring party you can imagine that was just being broadcasted because then you actually have the reflection in the water so like red lights and just i mean absolutely chaos and uh the rest of the property was being rented by a family that a large family that was doing like a reunion so they had all the cabin except except for one (laughs) so i was getting calls and messages from almost every other guest and i could not get a hold of the the problem guest so finally though Thank God they responded to my message like two hours later and we were able to put a lid on, on the, all the party, but yeah, we've had to adjust our rules and adjust our price point a little bit to keep those kind of things from happening. But thankfully that's really pretty much the worst thing that's ever happened. And we've had a lot of my favorite guests. So it's hard to put a particular story on that, but just incredible people that I've been able to meet from all over the world that have stayed with us. And, uh, we, share numbers and we stay in touch and they come back. We've had guests come back, I think four times now in 14 months of being open. So you can get a little taste there of the loyalty that we've built. How neat. And so do you personally have any embarrassing stories that took place in front of any guests? Yes, I actually do. Uh, One time very early on, I was tied up. We have a very busy life obviously. And I was tied up and it was when I was still doing like all the messaging myself and I went to bed like 11.15, which is actually pretty early for me. I'm usually not asleep before like 12.30 or 1. But I went to bed at like 11.15. I was exhausted. And I woke up the next morning. My phone is just on silent. You know, I don't look at it. And um, one of our guests had checked in late. They checked in like at 11.30 right after I went to bed. Or they tried to check in. And something had gone wrong with the code installing in the door lock. 
So they were literally stuck, could not get into their cabin. It was the worst feeling ever realizing that. So they had actually gone to a hotel in the area. And so the next morning, they but they had a multi-day reservation. So the next morning I met them out there, obviously profusely embarrassed and apologetic about it. They were incredibly understanding, refunded them, you know, went out of the way to make sure that they had everything they needed and we ended up becoming friends through it. So it was both a disaster and uh, a great lesson and also a, a wonderful experience in the end to actually like create another relationship there. There you go. And and that's the beauty and the adventure again in staying at smaller family run properties is sometimes you have to, to compromise and <laughs> deal with those communication challenges, but that's something it sounds like you made a positive spin on it. Do you have a favorite spot to sneak away to on your property? Shadow Bend is my favorite cabin. It's all the cabins are very, very similar, but the placement of that one is just quite special. It's under two of the biggest live oak trees and on a kind of a little peninsula in the lake. And it's just stunning. So we, we do try to stay out there every few months. It's those periods between when we stay is are getting longer and longer just because of the busyness. And we're tra- also traveling a lot. So we're staying in other people's beautiful places, but for anybody who's coming, who wants the pro tip shadow bend is the one, but they're all phenomenal. I'm sure. And so you had just mentioned that you've been traveling. So if you could travel to another independently owned property yourself, where would you go? Who would you like to shout out? There is a property in Fredericksburg, Texas, which is in the hill country. It's about three hours from Waco called, and Fredericksburg is kind of like the Napa Valley of Texas. It's, it's really pretty and has a lot of vineyards and a lot of tourism through there. So there's a lot of beautiful places to stay. But my favorite is a place called Onera which is another place you should check out too. And they've got some incredibly well-designed and unique spaces. So they've got one called the Monarch and it literally looks like a butterfly. It's like very, very well-designed, but kind of evokes a butterfly. And then they have one called the Spyglass, which is like a tube of wood up in the trees with a, with a glass front. So they've got some really cool places, took some inspiration from there for Live Oak Lake. Absolutely. All right. And to not overstay our welcome, I want to wrap up our conversation by asking if our listeners haven't already done so during this episode, where can they go to book a stay at Live Oak Lake? They can book a stay at liveoaklake.com. They can follow us on Instagram at, at Live Oak Lake and me personally on Twitter or Instagram at Isaac French underscore. And I know you do a lot of content across your different social media. You've got your YouTube where you had mentioned a lot of those beautiful videos and TikTok and whatnot. So we'll be sure to link to all of that as well. So everyone can follow along behind the scenes, but then get excited before their next day. So thank you so much for joining us, Isaac, and for sharing with us your love for great design and of course the outdoors. Molly, it's been a privilege to talk and I hope to meet you in person and all of your listeners should come stay at Live Oak Lake too, and I'll do my best to meet them. Absolutely. Cheers. Take care. Thank you for listening along. I hope you found yourself to be in good company. I know I did. Be sure to rate and review, invite your friends along, and find out more ways to stay in good company in the show notes below. Until next time, remember to slow down and to savor the company you're in. Cheers, my friends.